What's going on, guys? This is Coach Ace here with another episode of the Complete Baseball Performance Podcast. I'm joined again today by Kip Steingart, who's been with us in all our other conversations so far. And then today we have a special guest, Bill Miller. Uh, I learned about Bill via social media, and then also we have a, uh, a client that we both work with. Uh, he works with them a lot more, but it's a guy I met through one of our good friends, Mark Mantuka, and... Just getting to chat with Bill a little here. We've come with some good topics we want to shoot to you guys. So uh, just want to let Bill take over for a second. Bill, if you can kind of just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I train a lot of baseball players out of Palatine, Illinois, from uh, Dream Big Athletics. And uh, the one thing that I've, I've really started to grow a passion for is developing rotational power. I recently wrote a book about it called Swing Fast. And so this is something I've continuously wanted to learn more and more about and apply uh, different methods of rotational power training with medicine ball throws and stuff like that to my job, to, to training my guys the best I can. Yeah, it's been really cool to see, and maybe you can talk on it real quickly just to give guys a little background. Um, you like to measure everything, yep. right? And it, it's been cool to see with the radar guns, different things. So what are some of the things that you've done that are kind of almost a little bit would seem untraditional in the, the baseball field with some of your med ball tosses? Yeah, so we actually started this a few years back where we just took the Stalker two radar gun, set it up behind the net and had guys throw the medicine ball at it. Um, and it started it kind of funny, like I was getting on guys' asses because it was like, hey, you know, you're not throwing this med ball as hard as you possibly can. I know you can throw it harder. Let's see if I put the radar gun behind you, what it's going to look like. And sure enough, guys start throwing it three, four, five miles per hour harder right away. And so that was really cool. And, and so that kind of all started different things. Like, you know, now we start looking at guys to uh, see if they're deficient in certain rotational exercises, if they're better at overhead exercises, you can start to get a profile on what a kid needs the most in their programs. And that's kind of where my, my uh, thought process has gone on all the measurement stuff that I do. That's awesome. And I know, Kip, you've been, we'll let you talk here for a second. I know you've been kind of getting really, in, really into and diving into the, the measurement-based stuff too. Do you want to kind of just talk to the guys who, you know, we haven't heard from you in a while about some of the the new equipment you've got that we're going to start implementing with all our athletes? <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, aside from like learning some of the velocity-based training as far as like what Bill's been doing with uh, respect to some of the med ball throws, that's something new. I'm going to, I'm going to start implementing things to uh, a lot of the great work that he's been putting out there. But uh, some of the other things we're going to be doing is um, we're, we're going to be incorporating some of the speed lasers so we can get a, more of an accurate reading on like the 10 10-yard dash, 20-yard dash, and 30-yard dash, and essentially, like, what, what are the splits between that 0 to 10, 10 to 20, and 20 to 30, so we can get more of an accurate reading on what um, an athlete's, uh, essentially, acceleration and top-end speed looks like. Um, we, we also um, are going to be incorporating the force plates so we can take more of an accurate measurement on uh, vertical jumps and, and broad jumps as well as a, a depth jump, so we get more of a kind of a reactive strength profile um, when it comes to things like that. Uh, pro agility, right? That's not uh, anything new that we've been doing that we haven't been doing in the past, um, as far as looking at that five ten five and an athlete's ability to essentially um, accelerate, decelerate, plant, cut, and change directions uh, effectively. So, um, those are some of the things that we're going to be implementing going forward between myself and Bill. Okay, so what we wanted to talk about today to kind of you know give you guys some help as we progress through the season. I know a lot of guys are getting through the season here and. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of games in a short amount of time. You know, it's been cool hearing from our athletes, whether it be high school, grade school, pro guys. Just you know, seeing how the last you know month has been from here since they've really been able to start stuff. But what we want you to do is we, we want to kind of give you guys some preparation notes on how to prepare for showcases or your your showcase style tournaments slash camps that come out because we know summer is a is a big time, you know, with colleges, obviously this year the, the rules have been a little bit different, but I know they're they're starting to push the rules back to colleges being able to see you again earlier than originally slotted at the beginning of the year. So there are a lot of different opportunities for you as an athlete, whether it be baseball or softball, to get yourself in front of coaches or get yourself kind of measured at a showcase style event. So what we want to do is kind of give you guys some, some tips on how to prepare for a showcase. 
uh, whether it be your first one or just trying to get improvements upon uh, what you've done in the past with these showcases. So the, the first topic we're going to kind of talk about is starting like now, taking today, like in the months preparing for one of these events, how should our, our training look um, as we go forward to try to produce the best results during the showcase? So I'll, I'll kind of leave it as a, as a broad question there. And I, you know, Kip or Bill, whoever, you, whoever wants can take the lead on it here. And, you know, we'll ask some more specific questions as we go. But what should training look like, you know, if a kid was going to start training this upcoming Monday here to get ready for a showcase? Yeah, so let's say he's got a showcase two months from now. Like, you can make a ton of progress in that two-month period, man. Like, I'm sure you guys can attest to this because you work with a lot of high schoolers as well, but you, know, you take like a skinny kid, say he weighs 160 pounds, but he has great layback when he throws. He has great throwing mechanics and everything else. If you just beef him up in the weight room and you go really, really hard for about two months straight utilizing progressive overload, keep adding five, 10 pounds to all your lifts every week, that kid's gonna look like a completely different animal in two months. And you're looking at probably two to three miles per hour just in that two month period mm -hmm. because of the strength training they did, if not more. So I, I would definitely say like, know what your deficiencies are. If you know that you're a kid who really can throw hard, but you're lacking in that strength and that force production side of things, really attack the weight room. Like get your lowest hanging fruit first. And I guess, Kip, you can kind of talk about that as well. Yeah, so Bill, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So, um, really, as far as like getting, uh, you know, being able to get those lowest hanging throughs and maximize your results in the weight room, like what we know, it's it's always going to come down to the fundamental athletic movement. So if you stick with the basic lifts, as far as like your deadlifting and your squatting, split squats, lunges, you know, bench presses, dumbbell bench presses, push-ups, chin-ups, rows, things of that nature, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get a ton of bang for your buck, right? And you throw obviously sprint work in there and. Uh, various forms of jumping and plyometric as well as med ball drills for, for, for power development. You're going to have a pretty well-rounded, uh, comprehensive strength and conditioning program, right, as far as being able to address all the physical qualities from mobility work to speed and agility to power development to strength work. Um, of course, conditioning is a bit of a more of a specific topic. And then, of course, um, <clears throat> ensuring that you're, you're taking care of the recovery piece as well. So. Um, like I said, like like we had said, um, really focus on on hitting the basics and just um, being brilliant at the basics, and you're going to get a ton of bang for your buck um, or investment on your return. Yeah, and, and on that note, I think something that kids will look at on social media is something like the 90 mile per hour formula, where it's like, hey, if you just reverse lunge twice your body weight, you're going to throw 90 miles per hour. And of course, we know as coaches that's not 100% true. Yeah, <laughs> but. I, at the very least, it gets kids interested in wanting to lift more weight. The problem comes, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, Kip, kids will start to alter their technique and have really sloppy technique to get a new one rep max. And I know like any time, like let's say for instance, you're doing a one-arm dumbbell row, and I tell you, hey, I want your one-arm dumbbell row to go up by 20 pounds by the end of the off season. That's a substantial amount, but if you give the kid a 20 pound heavier dumbbell, they could probably lift it and touch their chest. But what they're going to do is they're going to have really sloppy technique where maybe they extend their hips, they lift their back to try to get uh, the dumbbell all the way up and they just kind of, you know, sling the dumbbell and, and slam it off their chest. And it's like that technique is no longer targeting the muscle groups that we wanted to target. The ones that we're trying to stress there, those, those upper back muscles that are so crucial for deceleration, we're not stressing them anymore. We're working hip extensors. We're working low back muscles. So it's really important to make sure that your technique is pristine. Yeah, exactly, right? So that's that's why we, we perform an assessment and an evaluation, do performance testing with every athlete because every athlete is going to have a different starting point based off so many factors like, you know, what does their injury history look like and what does is, what is their current training look like or what, what does their experience look like in the past, right? Um, it's going to come down to fighting what, what is the most appropriate progression for that athlete. So it's like if you look at something like, you know, the 90-mile-an-hour formula like you alluded to and right, you – Ideally, you want to be able to see like a two to two and a half times, um, uh, say whether it's a lunge pattern or a deadlift or a squat. That doesn't necessarily mean that an athlete is going to walk in on day one and they're going to throw a barbell on their back for, for you know, performing a squat or a reverse lunge or 
um, even even with a hex bar deadlift, you've got to be able to groove these moving patterns patterns efficiently. Teach them how to hip hinge appropriately. Teach them how to bend and change levels with respect to a squat. Teach them how to stabilize and control various joints in, in different positions and through various ranges of motions, like in a like in a lunge or, or a split squat. So every athlete, really, what it comes down to is is determining what is going to be the appropriate starting point for them. So then we could gradually progress over time. Um, and build some quality strength and, and mass on top of that. So I, I know I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to go a, a little bit deeper in this explanation because I know the phrase you guys use, which is low-hanging fruit. For a high school kid who's sitting there going, what, what the heck does low-hanging fruit mean? <laughs> Do one of you guys want to touch on that? And then from there go into, okay, so once we establish what a low-hanging fruit actually is, what are some key little things that they can start doing right now, those low-hanging fruits, to start initial improvement? Okay, um, so pretty simple, right? L lowest hanging fruit. Essentially, like, where are you the most efficient in and, like, where are you going to be able to make the most progress when it comes to your deficiency? So, if, right, for the majority of athletes we see, we, we know the, the vast majority, if not all athletes we see, are going to be deficient in strength, right? So if you go back to the example that, that – Bill was given earlier as far as like you take a, an athlete that comes in at 15 years old and he only weighs 160 pounds, right? You know you're going to get a ton of benefit out of putting a solid 20 to, to 30 pounds on him over the, over the course of the offseason, right? Especially if you're taking an, an athlete who is essentially a novice when it comes to training in the weight room, right? You're going to eventually, you're essentially going to be getting those, those newbie gains as we like to say. Um, <clears throat> given the fact that they have no training experience under the belt. So that's what I'm going to focus on attacking with somebody who's coming to train with me um, during those uh, initial foundational um, periods over the course of the offseason is I'm really going to attack what is the most basic progressions that I can give them the best possible results, um, get them stronger, get them powerful, put some solid body weight on them so they have some, some um, again, some mass and, and force production behind um, hitting and throwing and sprinting or whatever it may be that they have to perform on the field. Yeah, I think building the strength base is so crucial for athletes. Every high-level college and pro athlete we've ever seen has a strength base where they have great movement patterns in the weight room and they can lift a substantial amount of weight. Whether they're the bigger sky or not, they are still relatively strong to their body weight, and I think that's crucial. We, you got to say something, Kip? Uh, no, I mean, just like, like Ed Bill had said, right, strength is crucial. Uh, strength is essentially, it's, it's the foundation for everything, right? The larger strength base you have, the more potential there is to build upon other physical qualities like speed and, and power and rate of force development. And we, we've talked about, so like Bill, Kip, and I have been meeting pretty regularly just to, you know, kind of share information and chat. We keep bringing up, you know, get the easy layups, right? So when we're talking about like the low-hanging fruit, you know, what, what can we change at a pretty quick pace just by it being like an easy layup for us, something we can make a, a quick little change to that's going to give us some great results right away. I know, like Kip said, and we, we've talked about this amongst us, you know, the, the newbie strength, right? Kids getting in the weight room really for the first time and learning how to do things properly, they're going to see some instant jolts. The same kind of goes along for baseball too. A kid learns how to finally swing the right way or throw with more efficient patterns, create more layback. You start seeing instant jumps. So also kind of understanding, you know, the difference between your first time showcases versus guys who've been doing it for a while, your younger kids who are just getting into things are usually going to see a, maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on the strength side, but on the baseball side, we usually see very large jumps in miles per hour, things like that, based on the fact that they're learning to throw or hit properly. Uh, they're doing stuff more frequently. They're gaining that level of strength. Just by natural growth, a lot of the kids are gaining weight. Um, is that something that kind of ties into the weight room as well? Like, we, like go into like the newbie strengths. Like, what do you normally see? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think if you have never gained over forty pounds of strength in any exercise, like a basic exercise in the weight room, the, the squat, the bench press, the, the deadlift, etc. If you've never gained forty pounds before, you definitely have some low hanging fruit to get. Like forty pounds of of strength in the weight room is not a lot at the start. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would say that's something, look at your training history. What have you never done before? 
and um, you know, what have you never really progressed in before? Have you been bench pressing for years, but you've only been using 95 pounds on the bar and you're two years older, but you're no stronger than you were before? So I think that's something you have to look at as well. Where have you been making progress in the past? And um, you know, where have you sort of been stagnant, I guess? Yeah, uh, like I said, it, it really does tie guys. We talk about this all the time with our athletes, like the marriage between the, the baseball or softball side and then the weight room, the strength side. You know, some of these jumps you see on the radar guns it's a direct correlation to just, like I said, learning something new and then getting that, that new level of base strength. I mean, it's amazing how fast it jumps. And it's funny because you get kids who, as they get older, you know, you get some of our college guys, like they might gain a mile an hour or two and think, man, like I gained 10 the year before. Well, mm -hmm. They're not paying attention to the fact that like you're a whole heck of a lot stronger this year. Mm -hmm. Like you're mechanically more efficient than you were. So any gain in that regards is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, like I say, it's, it's just funny to see the difference, but yeah, for the kids who've been sitting there thinking like, man, I, you know, I should probably get in the weight room. I need to get stronger. Like, I don't think you guys realize how substantial of a difference you can make in such a small window mm -hmm. of time, just getting started out. So we know kind of what we want to start doing, right? We said we got a couple months, start getting that, that base layer of strength. As we approach closer to the day of a showcase, um, actually, you know what, for, let's take a step back for a second and we'll talk about, you know, for some kids that we keep saying showcase and some of them might not know what the heck we mean by that either, right? We, there are events out there and we'll kind of go a little deeper that, that take measurements and, you know, do you guys want to talk a little bit into some of the main measurements you guys see? Yeah, and, and so like these showcase events are huge right now for getting any sort of college recruitment. like. Like, I'm sure all the high school kids who are listening to this right now probably know that the uh, amount of fans that they have at games is super limited. College recruiters are not coming out to baseball games anymore. They might come out to some travel ball games this summer, but for the most part, if you are not a very high-profile athlete who's getting Division One looks for the past two years, for you to get noticed for college recruitment is going to take you going to these showcases. It's kind of a necessary evil, quote-unquote. Uh, but the, the reality is that's where baseball recruiting has gone. And you know, so what you really have to be ready to do is you have to be ready to show off uh, throwing velocity from whatever position you play. You have to be ready to show off some exit velocity when you're hitting it. It's not just off of the tee anymore. I know you guys have talked about this. It's, a lot of it is, is done with hit tracks or rapsido or some sort of uh, measurement device that you can take during batting practice. And if you don't show high throwing or exit velocity, you're going to probably have your name crossed off of a lot of Division One levels list. Yeah, and you know, this is the conversation we were having right before we started filming here. Um, the question is, we're kind of jumping ahead. We're going to kind of go back and forth here, but you know, there are certain metrics that college coaches look at. Now, the reason exit velocity, throwing velocity, uh, any type of dash, whether it be a 30-yard dash or a 60-yard dash. The reason those are kind of the, the big core ones is they're numbers, right? They're measurable. Uh, anything when it comes to like fielding or watching your swing, that is all, you know, the eye of the beholder, who, the, the objective view of the grader, right? Now, being someone who coached in college, I don't necessarily always trust that because what if it's a 20-year-old, 22-year-old kid just out of college and he's got his views versus something that I might think is a little differently and you know, every college coach looks at it and goes, you know, I like our development system best. You know, you all believe in your own systems that you create. So I can take this kid if his swing looks a little goofy and make him better. But what, what is tough to, to cheat, so to say, is, is numbers, right? If you have documented numbers from a major event or you have, you know, a documented number on video, those numbers are a little bit easier for a coach to go, okay, well, he throws 90. I can make him better, but he already throws 90 miles an hour, or he already runs a six seven, a sub 6'7", six, 60-yard dash. So those are kind of why we look at those big key metrics there. It's just because it's, it's hard data as opposed to somebody's opinion of what it is. Now, we have our beliefs on some of these things, and we can dive into that in a little bit, but we were chatting why is it, or I should say, what is your guys' view on when you are ready to attend a showcase? 
Uh, I mean, I, I really don't think there's ever like you know the there's ever going to be like that, that that perfect moment when you're ready to um, attend a showcase. So um, you know, like we talk about, like what is the typical starting point for um, a young baseball player to attend a showcase? You're like probably 12 years old, I would imagine. You could probably speak more on that. You behalf have, as far I as mean, like, as crazy really as it, appropriate to as crazy as it is. I mean, you get people starting yeah as young as 11, 12, which makes no sense, but you know. Development changes a lot in the course right. of those puberty years. So. Right. So, I mean, I, I think the majority of us can agree upon, like, 11 or 12 years old is probably going to be a good starting point for most young baseball players to start attending showcases. Um, uh, right? It's right, just just to be able to essentially see where you are when it comes to your performance metrics, right? And then, you know, what is the focus from, from there? It's just all about, like, what are you, what are you going to do with all that data and information, right? The the, the the, the whole purpose of doing that is being able to see where your starting point is, but it's like, where do you want to be over the course of time, right? Where do you want to be when, you know, in a year from now, maybe when you get to the high school level, or if your goal is to ultimately play at the college level, right? You could easily break it down into kind of like micromanageable um, goals in a sense, right? And then the focus from there on out is, is development and how you're going to go about developing yourself athletically throughout the course of, right, from 11 to 12 to 18 and then um, like I said, if you continue to play at the college level. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to Ace's question there too, there are going to be some people that might not have the financial resources to, you know, sh you know showcase their kid once, twice a year because those are, those are expensive. So if you are someone who's looking for a little more bang on your buck, what you could maybe do is, okay, I would say if you don't have at least 85 to 90 miles per hour exit velocity, mm -hmm at least 80 to 85 miles per hour throwing. And obviously sprinting, everybody's a little different. Some kids are more coordinated, some kids are less. But if sprinting is a part of your game, if you're not, I would say, at least below a 7.1 in the 60, like you have a long way to go to impress anybody. And in my opinion, like you'd probably want numbers that are much better than that. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's the big thing with the showcases. And like, you know, as a college coach, a former college coach, you know, you feel bad now. Obviously, I coach the Division Three level, so a lot of it is looking at trying to figure out what I think this kid could be. So, I mean, scouting in general, whether it's professional or college, it's, it's you look at projectability. Now, you're you're looking at projectability based upon your level, right? So, if a kid's throwing 81 miles an hour, do we think he can be throwing 86 by the time it's all said and done? But, you know, like Bill was saying there. It, Where's your money better spent? Is it better spent looking at? Because right now there's there's two options out there, right? There is showcase, so you go and figure out how hard I throw, how hard I do, and then they give you a write up about what your swing looks like. Or there's the development route, right? Which is, hey, I'm not throwing 85 yet. Maybe I go spend that money I would spend on a showcase and go give it to my strength coach, my pitching coach, whoever it is, to help me get to that spot. So when I am finally going to a showcase. I have a number that's going to impress somebody. And I think that's kind of the big thing because like like Bill was kind of alluding to there, 80 miles an hour as a senior in high school is not going to impress anybody, right? You know, now, are there smaller D3 schools that can look at you and go, okay, you know, we can, we can use you? Sure. But like if your goal is to play at the highest potential level, my, in my personal opinion, it's much better to spend that money on your development side, on the diet, on you know all that stuff. That's going to help those numbers kind of shoot up a little bit. Hundred percent, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, part of that's why you know even if you do get it, let's say you get a senior in high school and he's not quite there, I'm a big proponent of sending a lot of my kids to junior colleges because it buys them one to two more years of actual development and and the opportunity to gain size, gain muscle. Just learn proper techniques. I think that's it. Like a lot of people look at junior college as almost like I failed, but for me, it's two more years of preparation. And like I said, it's not to say that's for everyone. It's not the route for everyone. But if you're somebody who like your goals and aspirations are division two or higher and you're not there yet, you need to buy yourself time. But the one thing to touch on with that is that doesn't mean buy yourself time and hope something changes. You have to be willing to make the change. And I think that's where we see a lot of the issues is, oh, I'm going to go to junior college and I'm going to get better. But then you don't do anything differently than you did in high school. So I, I think that's something that, like, we look at. And like I said, that's, there are flaws with the, the modern showcase system because it's all about giving you a number and, and a, you know, a, a criteria or a grading based on how you look, you know, a, a, how a certain company says you look. Mm -hmm. And 
there's not a whole lot of follow-up to that. So and there, are, there are some serious flaws with it, but at the same time, you know, we want to prepare our guys to impress, guys or girls, to impress as much as they can. So kind of jumping into the next question then. So you get to that day or you know, a couple days before a showcase. What should we be doing in those specific days and day of the showcase that prepares them to have the kind of best results they could have? Yeah, man, because like I had said before, these showcases are expensive. So it's like if you're going to spend all this money on it, you might as well take those three, four, five days prior to the showcase to make sure that you are as ready as possible to give your best numbers. Um, and I would say the first thing that I know kids will screw this up, but the first thing you have to look at is your sleep schedule in the three to four days prior to the showcase. Like you have to be getting consistently eight plus hours of sleep. I would say at least eight to nine hours of sleep. And um, you know, obviously nutrition is huge. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so yeah, sleep is a great point, of course. Um, of course, just overall, just being able to expedite the recovery process too, right? So um, yeah, nutrition is a huge piece as, um, as far as um, right, just being able to take in the appropriate, appropriate amount of, of, of calories and then looking at quality foods when it comes to protein and carbs and fats. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast within itself there. Um, but I, I'd say another, another one of the most important things too is right to ensure that taking a look at your training three to five days prior to what you're going to be doing at that showcase, right? Because essentially it's almost like, you know, from mine and Bill's perspective as strength and conditioning coaches, it's almost like as if we were preparing ourselves for a powerlifting meet and we were going to a powerlifting meet. Well, we're not going to be max deadlifting or squatting or bench pressing two to three days out from, um, from the meet itself, right? And essentially you guys shouldn't be doing the same thing either as far as, right? You, you shouldn't be obviously... Um, schedules might conflict a little bit with you know if you're a pitcher um, and if you, you had pitched two to three days prior then there might be a bit of a different approach for you when you do co do go to the showing case but to the showcase but um, the, like again those things are, are, are essential in terms of um, if you say you go into a deload week and you essentially you minimize the amount of intensity you're doing in the weight room and essentially the amount of volume that you're doing in the weight room so you're dropping down on the overall workload so you go into that showcase more more fresh and, and prepared to essentially give your best and get the best possible results um, and again these things things are tricky be tricky because like not only does your training come into play right essentially anything from a physical stressor to a mental stressor and an emotional stressor because everything is a stress right is going to play a huge role in that um, on top of the sleep and, and nutrition and recovery piece too so um, I, think, I think that's the best advice I could give is uh, to ensure that you're kind of minimizing on overall, overall workload at least within a week before you go into the showcase to maximize results. The one thing I'll, I'll touch on from, from the baseball side, but it kind of follows to what Kip said there in regards to the mental aspect of it. A lot of kids go into these things pressing, like it's a, it's a be-all, end-all type of thing. Now, yes, are you, we should say this. Based on the type of showcase you go to, so we can kind of dive into that real quick. There are your showcases where you basically are just getting numbers and a grading scale, right? The, the PBRs of the world, the perfect games. There, some of them have tournaments that follow where they grade you on your performance in a game, but a lot of it is very metric-based. Then there are your college showcases where you're physically out there in front of, whether it's one college or a group of colleges, where it, it's more of a recruiting-based event. So we see a lot of kids pressing like, oh, man, like, if I don't do well, it's the end of the world for me. And I know that's kind of contradicts what we were saying earlier, like don't go if you are not hitting a certain metric, 85 miles an hour or 90 hitting. But at the same time, if you do choose to go, like I think people think these college coaches, pro scouts, they like, they put them on a pedestal. Like they're the greatest people in the world. Like they're just normal dudes. And I think that's what a lot of people, when they go to showcases, they, they get tight, they press. And it's funny, I got all these, all these kids who, you know, they, they kind of shoot the shit with me, they have conversations. Like, I was a college coach a few years ago, and I did it for five years, and I was recruiting. I was at those events, right? So it's like, I'm no different, and most of those guys are even kind of more laid back and chill than I am. And I know, Bill, you said your dad's a pro scout. I mean, it's not like he's the most yeah. uptight guy in the world. I mean, you, I could touch on that probably a little bit, but, like, like, it's not a be-all, end-all if you do go to a showcase and you don't do well. Mm -hmm. But, like I said, the, the purpose is why are you going to these showcases, right? Is it 
because you really want to go to this college or I mean, yeah, touch on that a little yeah, bit. You know? I, I like, guess as far as like, like the, the point about my dad, like I know one thing he's always mentioned is like whenever he goes out to watch a player and you know, he's, he's out there and he sees a kid pressing or whatever, like he wants that kid to do well. And I think pretty much every college recruiter, like they want you to show your best. Like they, they're, they're in your corner, they're rooting for you. Um, and, and I do think that sometimes you'll run into showcases where like this was this happened over, you know, since COVID started, there was kind of some poorly run showcases in the area, in my opinion, um, where, in my opinion, they weren't really in the kids corner. They just said, hey, we know it's windy and rainy outside, but we're going to run 60s in the in the in the cold and rain. So it, sometimes it doesn't always work out like that. But for the most part, ma'am, these college recruiters, they want to see your best. And just understand that, like, if you give your absolute best effort and you just, you know, you're out there free, loose, and relaxed, I think you're going to at least show them what they're there to see. Yeah, and so to kind of go off, like, and I'm not sure how, like, everyone has their own grading scales and stuff, but, like, when we would go to a showcase, remember, a showcase, too, guys, it's, it's a very short amount of time. So very few people are taking that one showcase event and saying, okay, I 100% want this kid. Now, the dude's out there throwing 95 miles an hour, obviously that's a different story. But a lot of times, the whole purpose of a showcase is to see kids and then be able to follow up with them to see them more, whether it's getting their schedule in the summer and seeing where they're playing or getting them to come out to more of a, of a private camp on, on your campus where you're trying to get a deeper look at them. But I mean, my system was pretty simple. It was a check, a circle, or an X, right? A check was like, hey, we really need to follow up with this kid. A circle was, hey, like, this kid shows some stuff. I'd like to see him again. And then an X was, okay, you know, not a chance. But I will say, my X's came at, at two, major, two major points. A kid just walking around, head down, slump, like bad attitudes, bad mentalities. And then the kids who were just really nowhere near the metrics at that time. So it kind of dives into what we were talking about earlier with, you know, if you're going to go, like, be close to a certain number. Now, yeah, if you're a freshman, I'm not expecting you to throw 85 miles an hour. If you are, it's like, oh, okay, you know. A lot of times me, I was at a Division three school. I was like, all right, well, this kid's never going to end up playing here because he's already thrown 85. But, you know, when you're at the showcase, you get so tight and then you're like, you know, you're in panic and, and coaches can see that just like, like Bill said, I want you to have success because I want to find some dudes like showcases are long for coaches. They're eight, some of them are eight hours long. The last thing I want to do is be sitting somewhere for eight hours and all these kids are struggling because they're so uptight. Like I want to see you guys have success and be able to circle or check 50 names out of 200 kids so I can go and say, hey, like, you know, we got some kids we can look at, some kids we can follow up with. I mean, it's that's part of the, sh the showcase experience is, yeah, you want kids to have, like, to do their best and just to showcase their skills. And if they make mistakes, it's how do they bounce back from those mistakes mm -hmm. as well. So that's to kind of touch on, on the mental side of it. Now to kind of come back, when it comes to the training stuff, I know you guys can probably go a little more in detail on this, but I know I was reading some of the stuff on Cal Dietz, the triphasic training stuff. And there are different periods of time. I think a lot of kids that when you say deload, they think, oh, well, I, you know, I want to be as strong as I can going into it. And they think they're going to lose that base level of strength or they think they're going to lose speed. It, there are kind of calendars of time that that stuff lasts for. If I'm not, like I said, it's way more your guy's specialty. But Yeah, yeah, you can definitely break the year or the off season yeah. down into phases where, you know, especially for high school kids, as we alluded to at the start of the podcast, the first – like month or two of training is probably just going to be build muscle mass and strength like just lay that foundation and then as we get closer and closer to showcases the season now you start going into power phases or peaking phases where we start doing a lot more of the explosive stuff the fun stuff that i like mm -hmm. with all the, the medicine ball throws for the radar gun and the jumps and the sprints those things will come a little bit later and you're probably going to see huge jumps in performance because you are a stronger individual who is now producing force at a faster rate. So you power is force times velocity, right? So if we're more forceful because of the first two months that we did in our first phase, and then we increase that velocity by a little bit in that next phase, now we're looking at a super powerful individual. And so that is something to consider as well. If you are leading up to a showcase and you know you have three, four, five months, you can break it down into a, a small mini phase 
off section where you're really working on strength and hypertrophy, muscle mass building first, and then you can tailor it more towards power and speed as you get closer to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, something you obviously do really well as far as just, right, just being able to track data or, or, or measurements, right, on a daily basis when an athlete comes in, right? It's, right, we could always ask the simple question of, like, you know, how, how are you feeling today? Like, what did you do the three days prior? What, are you, what is your schedule going to be looking like the three days um, post-workout? Just kind of looking at it like a daily, a daily workout routine, right? So, like, how are you feeling for that day? What did you do, like, the previous two or three days? And then what are you going to be doing, like, the next two or three days? Um, you're, you're obviously great when it comes to just right, being able to take, like I said, kind of measurements with respect to certain performance metrics. Like if you're looking at like a 10-yard dash or like if you're looking at vertical jump or grip strength or like med ball velocity and you see that those performance, kind of like their baseline performance numbers have, have minimized, then you've kind of, uh, you, you kind of have to take a different approach there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent, right. and and like that could be due to a lot of factors, and one of those factors I think for this showcase idea that we're talking about is fatigue. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you're measuring jumps, med ball throws, what have you, and everything is going down in the tank, um, you probably need that deload, that that rest time where you're just taking uh, taking your training volume, cut it in mm -hmm. half. You know, you, your training intensity, cut it down. Let your body recover. That's probably the most common thing. When, when numbers are down for kids, they're either running into fatigue problems or injury issues. And obviously, if you're fatigued or injured heading into a showcase, it's going to be a nightmare. Yep. And that, that's, you know, I was going to jump into you guys answered that. So it's same thing from the baseball side of it too, right? You don't have to go take 1,000 swings two days before a showcase because you're trying to prepare, right? Like th there's a point of diminishing returns where it just it ends up hurting you more than helping you. So it's... It's understanding that, like, when they say deload or when I say, like, hey, don't go take as many swings. It's not a – a lot of people do that from the mental side. They're trying to mentally prepare and they're pressing and they're taking more and more swings. And it actually probably most of the time has more of a negative effect as it does on, you know, rather than the positive side because it's it, the fatigue level starts hitting. And that's where you guys, like, touched on diets and stuff. I mean, you know, obviously it's a whole new podcast, but, you know, the, the main – main emphasis for that week of a showcase is probably just don't eat like a jerk. I mean, it yeah. really like don't go eat pizza the night before a showcase, yeah. you know, don't wake <laughs> up and have six donuts. And it's, it's funny, like I by no means have the best diet, but you know, when I would coach and you'd see kids sitting there eating three donuts before a game and then they're sitting there by the fourth inning and they're, they're just no energy. Like, like I said, we can get way more into that, but like all the, all the stuff, really does there are so many things that play into like your performance indicators there and like you know diet i mean really it's that simple sometimes just don't eat like an idiot we can get way yeah. more in detail of what you should eat but there are really yeah. simple don't eat like an idiot yeah i mean look like like if if, if you know you have a, a showcase at nine o'clock the following morning and, and you're going to be out there for i would say five or six hours or like you alluded to some showcases go as long as eight hours like make sure that you wake up two hours prior and, and get a good breakfast in, right? You could have like four to five whole eggs. You can have a bowl, like a cup or a cup and a half of oatmeal, throw some fruit in there, maybe some peanut butter. And now you're getting some quality nutrition with right quality protein and fats and carbs. That's gonna fuel your body for performance throughout the, the course of the day. And then even more so make sure that you're coming prepared if you know you're gonna be out there for five, six plus hours a day with, with snacks, like we said, like, protein powders or protein bars um, and, you know, nuts, whether it's almonds or walnuts are great. Um, some kind of fruit is great. Um, even beef jerky are all good snacks to have on hand to ensure that you're constantly fueling yourself and you're able to maintain your energy levels throughout the course of the day so you can perform at your highest level. Yeah, and, and on that point too, like <clears throat> hydrate. Hydration is something like kids screw it up all the time. They'll get like a huge big old jug of water and they'll chug the thing in one or two hours, and then they're just peeing the rest of the day. <laughs> the best hydration that I've found is probably about 15 to 30 fluid ounces every hour or two. Just consistency throughout the day is all you need, and so that's what I would recommend as well. Like Kip said, have something with you so you can stay um, you know, eating something small throughout the day, but stay hydrated throughout the day as well. I think, like I said, from from my side of it, I've seen the repercussions of not following those like those those that advice. There, I've seen kids run the sixty yard dash and then pass out because they didn't eat breakfast that morning. I've seen kids who throw up, you know, like I said, whether it's in the middle of a game or 
at one of these events because, yeah, they didn't eat breakfast. It's 96 degrees outside sometimes when you go to these outdoor events or when you're in the middle of a game and they didn't drink, they didn't eat the right way, and you know now they run really fast and they just start yakking. And let me tell you, as a coach, you know, what, what do you leave? I, I've, had, I've seen notes of other coaches like, oh, the kid who passed out or the kid who yacked on us, right? Like, it's not a good look for you either. So, like, you know, part of the, of the recruiting, the showcase aspect is, is, like, the eye test too, right? Like, does, they, does the kid look good? Which, obviously, that, that builds into the strength side of it. But, but then also, yeah, not passing out, not throwing up, you know, that type of stuff that could go on just by – and it's such, stuff, it's such things that are so simple to avoid just by taking care of yourself. Um, so, you know, with the showcases, you know, there are definitely some things that we've talked about that we can see as, as being flawed. Do we want to touch on a little bit of, of certain things we see that maybe could be improved upon in the showcase system that maybe our kids can learn from, or do we want to yeah, hold off for like a different of, date on that? Yeah, I would say maybe just give them a couple warning signs, like understand that when you sign up for these events, there's dozens, if not even close to 100 or more kids who have signed up for the exact same event. So, you know, when we talk about coaches are really in your corner and they want to see you do well and stuff, sometimes, man, the reality is like, hey, you're just another number to them and, and they're working these 12-hour days and, and you're just going to be one of the many kids that they see that day. So understand that, like, you have to be somebody that really stands out to them so you got to do everything right, everything, hustle on and off wherever you're going. You know, obviously be well hydrated and, and, and everything so that you can give good energy at any given moment. Because if you don't, that's going to be a, 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 you know, an X across your name most likely. And what I've seen too, this is kind of like to piggyback on that is the, the just being a number. When you're getting college invites, pay attention to the kind of the details and the pricing. Like... I know there's a lot of schools that will do like private invite only type of events where they cap it at like 20 kids and it's cheap because they're trying to get these kids they want to see on campus versus some big time division one program running a $600 two day camp. You know, there is something to be said about that's how us assistant coaches and volunteer coaches make our money as well. So, you know, asking whether it's one of us or something like whether we think it's a showcase you should attend or not is also something you should consider because, you know, like we said, 400 bucks, 500 bucks, it's a lot of money. Like, should you really be going to fly out to a D1 school in Texas throwing 72 miles an hour, right? The answer is probably no, you're not ready for that. Or you might never be ready for that if you're in this current state. But it, it's kind of reading through the BS that comes along with some of it, right? And like I said, some of the big issues I have with showcases is exactly when it comes to a lot of standing around because there's so many kids. And then I, I'm just not a huge fan of the lack of follow-up personally, right? Like, you give me a number, now what, right? And yeah. the other thing about the grading scale, and I've seen this, and, you know, I, like I said, this isn't to start a fight with some of these guys because I find a lot of value, and I've seen Perfect Game help a lot of kids. I've seen PBR, you know, a kid sending his PBR data to some schools, and it being very beneficial for them because they're trusted sources. But, um, you know, I've also seen it where a kid never attended one of their camps before, never was ranked, and all of a sudden commits to a good school, and now all of a sudden he's on their ranking scale, you know. So it's, it's tough because it's, it's very tough for them to go see everybody unless you're paying a lot of money to come to their, to their events. So uh, with that being said, like I said, we, we won't touch too much more on that. We can get into more details later in a different day about, you know, some alternatives we think would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, we'll probably think about some stuff and talk yeah. about it and see what we can figure out. But are there any real, like, I don't want to say last words, but is there something you really want these kids to focus on, like, as they're, you know, looking into getting ready for summer season and their show, potential showcases or potential I said giant tournaments where you know there's going to be a hundred schools there. Is, is there something you kind of want to put in their brain to help prepare them for that type of thing? I mean, just to really summarize on like um, all the talking points that we had discussed and some of the advice that we had given, I think the best advice that I can give to any young athlete who is looking to further career, further their career and achieve whatever their goals and aspirations are in the baseball world, 
uh, look for a quality coach, right? The name of the game is development. So um, find, find a quality coach, whether it's working with a strength and conditioning coach, whether it's working with a, a baseball skills coach to work on hitting or, or throwing mechanics and to work on becoming more efficient in those areas. Um, even a nutrition coach, a manual therapist. So it's like, if, if you care about your career, focus on development and be invested in, in, in your development. Yeah, and, and for me, I would say always look at the long-term goal. You know, yeah. the, for a lot of these kids, you know, they want to hit 90 miles per hour this year. But the reality is if you're mid-70s, it's a long way to go. But if you gain two to three miles per hour per year and you're a sophomore in high school right now sitting 75, well, by the time you're a sophomore in college, you're throwing upper 80s and you're knocking on the door to 90. And that's, to me, what realistic expectations should look like. You know, so, so that, that, that's what I would say. I just think that's the thing. There's a window, guys. Now, sometimes I feel like the pressure of some of these things or hearing kids who are signing in eighth grade, it makes you feel like that window is, is very small and it's closing on you. Now, it doesn't mean don't do anything, right? But it doesn't have to be, like they're saying, this astronomical jump. I mean, I'm sure you guys, just like I have, I've seen astronomical jumps just mm -hmm. by a kid getting into something really hard for the first time. But, yeah, those gradual improvements it's it's what makes a kid go from hitting 78 to 100 in the course of four years right mm -hmm. like it's not an improbable thing I think that's what people don't understand is you know we we kind of glorify these numbers of 90 or 100 and they're a, they're obtainable as long as you're willing to put the work in mm -hmm. um, real quick just because like I said we, we were getting near that time you know, there's so many old school beliefs in um, how we should be training or things we should be doing in season. I know for a long time they were like, yeah, don't do anything in season. Like, you know, you work out really hard and then, you know, you don't do anything in season. And now from a player's perspective, I think all of us played, when I followed that advice, I got real sluggish as the year went on. I have a great start to the year because I just got off all this, this great training, this off season work. And if I followed that advice, I, I tended to get a little more sluggish. My performance went down significantly. So mm -hmm. do you guys want to touch real quickly just to kind of give our guys some information on what should they be doing right? Like I said, we've talked about to prepare for showcases, but to leave them kind of with a thought right now, like I'm going to ask this question. I know you're both going to laugh, but like should they be training right now? <laughs> and then if so, like what kind of stuff should they be doing yeah. to help maximize all the stuff that's coming in, in a couple months here? Yeah, should, should they be training right now in season? Like, duh. Um, yeah, this is going to be a whole other podcast within itself, and it's one that I'm really looking forward to, to being able to do with you guys, hopefully in the next week or two here. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think for me what it comes back to, it's um, we, earlier we had talked about, like, strength being the foundation for everything, right, as far as, like, being able to build other physical qualities like speed and power um, and rate of force development, right? So if you think about strength as kind of like a glass, right? I like to give the glass analogy. If you think about strength as that glass, right? And you kind of like essentially you fill up that glass so there's um, a, a bigger glass, meaning there's more potential to build those other qualities like speed and power and rate of force development on. But if, if, if you essentially put a hole in that glass, right? What's gonna happen is you're gonna write those other physical qualities are going to be minimized, right? So, um, and that's where you're going to see uh, a performance decrease um, in season. So, you've, essentially, you've got to be able to plug up that hole and fill in those gaps. Um, and I think that's a pretty good analogy in terms of, right, just um, not only being able to maintain those physical physical qualities you built over the course of the off season, but um, also being able to continually build upon those physical qualities. Um, and so much of that, so much of like what kind of like your role and responsibility is as, as a player, whether you're a pitcher, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, closer, position player, everyday player, non-everyday player, you know, depending on what your role is, um, there, there is always something that we can be doing to make continual progress in the weight room. Yeah, and, and I know we had talked about like the skinny kid who lifts a bunch of weight and he gains five miles per hour really fast on his throwing. Well, that same kid who stops weightlifting in the season, he's going to lose it just as fast. That's how it goes. If you are deficient in muscle mass and strength, the moment that you lose that muscle mass because you stop lifting weights, um, you're going to lose a lot of that velocity as well. And that's it's the sucky part, but you, know, you have to maintain weight in season, guys. Like I, I see it all the time with high school kids. They lose weight, velo goes down, and they feel like crap.
It's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, and not only that too, but it's like something else I should have alluded to. It's like not only you're going to see a, a decrease in performance, but you're also going to see an increase in injury risk yes. too. So yes. it's like, um, again, several factors um, are going to come into play there too, right? It's like we know that after you go out and throw, right, you're, you're going to see a, a decrease in range of motion with respect to shoulder range of motion. Uh, it could be an elbow range of motion, hip range of motion, whatever it may be. So you need to work on expediting the recovery process and work on restoring range of motion and tissue quality um, immediately, immediately upon after throwing, again, whether you're a starter or a relief pitcher or whether you're coming off the field as a, as a position player. Those are other key components that need to be addressed, too, to maintain performance and minimize injury risk. Right, It all comes down to sustainability at that point. I know this is one thing. I mean, it's a very common trend we, we've talked about in different um, podcasts so far, but from the player's perspective, make sure your communication's on point with your strength coaches, your pitching coaches, hitting coaches, whatever it might be, because it, I mean, ultimately it's your career, right? Like, if you don't tell your strength coach that, oh, I played a football game today and three, I mean, right now we're in a kind of a crazy time where football's going on. I think it's just ending this week, but. I played a football game. I, I've played six baseball games this week. Obviously, fatigue starts to set in. So you have to make sure you're communicating with everybody because I've told guys, like, I don't even want you to come in for a lesson this week because you've had six, seven baseball games. So just from a, a standpoint of a player, like one of the things to really make sure of more than anything right now is you're communicating with the people that you trust and, and lead on for guidance because we can all give you good guidance and good information, but we can't do it to the best of our ability if we don't know what's truly going on. Um, any final thoughts we want to leave people with here? I'm, I'm pretty good. I think we, we had a lot of really good points for today. And like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a whole nother podcast on in-season training yeah. itself. Yeah, I agree. A lot more to talk about for the next time, for sure. <clears throat> for sure. So um, real quick, just, you know, shameless plugs. Bill, do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want to look at a lot of the good, really good information that you put out? Yeah, on Instagram, it's Bill Miller Training, all one word. And you can find uh, my book, Swing Fast, uh, Guide to uh, Developing Rotational Power on Amazon. And then Kip? Yeah, so um, I'm at um, on Instagram. I'm at Top Performance Strength 22. So um, that's pretty much my only social media platform right now. But um, stay tuned for the future as far as like some of the exciting stuff that we're going to be doing and kind of essentially working on changing the game and kind of like changing the the current showcase model as far as what we're going to be doing from a performance combine standpoint. So and and then obviously you guys can find me at Complete Baseball Performance or you know we obviously have this podcast on you know Apple Apple Podcast and all the other fun ones out there. So um, Complete Baseball Performance and like I said all in all so we're just trying to use this these these podcasts here to try to inform you guys on important things that we kind of feel are not always discussed like everything's about you know i'm guilty of it too at times highlighting the best attributes of everything that goes on the home runs that you guys hit but there's a lot of things that go into the preparation for you guys to have those highlighted successes that we do like to show on you know our social media platforms. so with that being said Thank you guys so much for listening, and hopefully in the next week here we can get you guys another one with the, the three of us and really give you guys some more in-season type, uh, type information to help you guys thrive throughout the season and prepare for your summer seasons. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you.